This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. At Likeable Media, we create, curate, and promote content that gets your brand results. So contact us today by visiting likeable.com. All the social ladies, 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 all the social ladies. Now put your phones up. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kirpin. Now, Carrie Kirpin. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of All the Social Ladies. I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and today I am really excited to have Deirdre Breckenridge on the show. Deirdre is the Chief Executive Officer at Pure Performance Communications. A veteran in PR and marketing, she's the author of five Financial Times books. Her most recent book, Social Media and Public Relations, Eight New Practices for the PR Professional, was published in May 2012. Deirdre is an adjunct professor at NYU, an online instructor for UMass at Amherst Journalism Department, and she speaks nationally and internationally on the topics of PR, marketing, and social media communications. I'm thrilled to have her on the show today. Welcome, Deirdre. (laughs) Thank you. Hi, Carrie. It's so nice to be with you today. Oh, we're so happy to have you here. So as the CEO of Pure Performance Communications, there are many, many people who are earlier in their careers who are looking to one day be a future you. So I would love to have you share your story of how you got to where you are today and kind of just your career path as a whole. Oh, well, great. I'd love to share my story. So when I think about the many years that I've spent in PR marketing, and we'll just say 25 plus uh, at this point, we won't count any higher, (laughs) I would say it's a story of relationship building. And that's really important for young professionals to always be networking and growing relationships because my relationships have helped me to build businesses, to write books, to teach at different universities, to speak around the world, and to work with incredible companies and professionals. So I actually, and and this stems from a great relationship. It's perfect. My first internship came from my fourth grade teacher's husband. Get out. (laughs) Seriously. So, you know, making a connection with a teacher and a teacher who I absolutely adored and adore her husband as well, uh, he got me into a small New York office that was uh, a part of a mid-size public relations agency, and that gave me my start. And, you know, I learned all about the, the world of public relations uh, from, you know, what it was like to work with clients to what it was like to run an office, basically. And it all came from a relationship. So you've been networking since grade school. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Exactly. Networking since grade school, my mother would have said the the same thing. Um, And it's just so important. It it makes a, a big difference in where you go down your career path. And so from the internship, you went on to work at PR firms? Yeah, so that's exactly what I did. Uh, 
I stayed in New York City for a little while, and then I realized with the hours that I was keeping, I was the first one in the office, and I was the last one to leave, yep. and sometimes I was coming home at 10 o'clock at night. They, yep. Of course, they gave me car service home, but that I could do public relations or marketing in New Jersey, and I had several different opportunities that I was involved in. You know, I was even working for a hair and skin care company. It was really funny because my hair was down to my hips and I got it cut short above my ears and we turned it red. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, crazy. Um, but I did public relations in New Jersey and then I was doing PR and marketing for a pharmaceutical um, consultant uh, working with him very closely, he had um, a PR firm, an advertising agency, as well as a consulting firm, and really got a lot of insight into running a business, not only just PR and marketing with the clients, but running a business. Mm. And after many years with him, I said, wow, you know, I think I can do this on my own, and pretty much shocked my parents and said, guess what? I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm starting my own company. And uh, that's when I went on the entrepreneurial route and started my own communications firm. I was acquired by a company, uh, another firm, built our agency up to about 40 people. And now fast forward to the future, decided, or, or to now, and decided that I didn't want the agency life anymore. And now I have my own consulting firm. And wow. writing and speaking and teaching and doing all sorts of fun things. And so when you became an entrepreneur, did you know you were ready to do that? Did you feel like in your gut, like, okay, I'm ready to take this leap? Or were you uncertain like as you were doing it? I always wonder about that when, when people make that leap. Like, do they just know? Or is it something that they kind of hope and think will work out, but, you know, aren't really sure? That's such a great question. I think in my gut, I knew. Yep. And I also knew that if I was going to do this, I'm going to make this work. Right. Uh, at the time, I I was married then, uh, and I had a, a small child. My, yep. my daughter was, was very young at the time. I think she was only two. And I took this leap of faith to be an entrepreneur, and things started to happen quickly. But what was really, and this gets into one of my biggest challenges, was suddenly I found myself uh, the owner of a new company with two partners. I was going through a divorce, and I was a single mom. Yeah. And and that was, you know, but you have to, if you're going to take that leap of faith, no matter what happens, you make it work. And it and worked, I did. It worked in your favor. You built it up and sold it, and now you're, you're consulting and doing what you want to do. So it's awesome. Exactly. It, it ended up working out for you. I love it. So talk to me a little bit. Uh, we talked about networking at the very beginning of this and obviously how you have been networking since the beginning of time. And so <laughs> tell me about how important, Deidre, do you think that offline networking is today? Do you think that we are too reliant, before we even get into talking about social media, are we too reliant on social media that we are neglecting the face-to-face -face networking? I'm so glad you asked this because if I'm social networking, it is to get to meet people offline. Mm -hmm. I think that offline is so important, and I still do a lot of networking offline because there's there's no substitute for being in a room face to face shaking somebody's hand getting to know them and i i, I love social media 
but I am a huge advocate for get out there and really, truly meet people in person. Absolutely. I feel the same way. You know, when you work in the space, I think it's assumed that you believe that social media is the only, you know, answer for the answer is always social media. But in in reality, I think for networking and a skill that's so underutilized with, you know, some of our, our younger listeners is really being unafraid to network at a function. And it's almost like we we lose um, the ability because we're so attached to our phones, like you're looking down instead of looking face to face. Exactly. Yeah. I, I would not trade networking in person for anything. Me and and often, I mean, I, I do joke around about one of the books that I wrote with Brian Solis, yep. putting the public back in public relations, for example. We actually did everything before we met in person, which is a unique case. Wow. But in essence, most of my greatest, those successes throughout my career have been because I was in person and doing deals and taking something to higher levels. That's so interesting, though. I love that story, actually, <laughs> that you had met in person, all the pre-work. I love it. So, yeah. uh, you know, I know that you educate companies on how to leverage social media. What, what would you, what advice do you give what is your best advice that you give to organizations that are really looking to harness the power of social? So it's almost stay away from the bells and the whistles and jumping on the bandwagon yep. and, and grabbing those shiny objects just because they're there and really focusing more on what are you trying to achieve? What is your purpose? Stepping back always to make sure that whatever it is you're trying to do is tied to higher level goals. So if I'm, you know, planning and strategizing over marketing communications or public relations outreach, how does that tie back to what the CEO or the C-level cares about and thinks about? And there are very distinct buckets, whether it's productivity or the financial bucket or it's you know, something that's around innovation or customer satisfaction, we need to understand what we're doing through social media is really making a difference. And then you're moving from just your own outputs and what you do to true, valuable outcomes that create impact for your organization. And so in looking at that, what what do you think, obviously, as a consultant, you must speak to the C-suite quite a bit. And so when mm-hmm. you're looking at, at the C-suite, what what do they respond to? I know they respond to, as you said, you know, tangible goals, yep. and this is what they're looking to achieve. But how do you best present success to the C-suite in social? So in, in social, you can listen and hear what your customers are, are saying. And it's so easy. And everybody, if you have a business... You should be doing that. So for a CEO or, or C-level, it's to know your customers are happy, and here's why, or your customers are not happy, and here's what you need to do. The, you know, your goal is to get as close to your customers as possible, to be intimate so that you can serve them better, and they, in turn, advocate and become loyal customers. Uh, so that's one way. It's also knowing that you can use social for the competition and to Mm. gain a competitive edge and to know what others are doing. And you always want to be sure to know where your competitors are, how they're using social media, what they're doing, 
how they're gaining from it, and use that to your best interest. So I know the C-suite is very much in favor of using social media for competitive intelligence. You want to make sure you use it for your reputation. And that also is tied to the listening and being able to prevent even the smallest negative issue from becoming that mountain. So it's the Mm -hmm. molehill to the mountain. Uh, So these are all the areas that get executives to pay attention, and we have the tools and the technology that enables us to key in to these things that make them pay attention. Love it. And so your background, you know, you came from the traditional PR side. Can you talk to me a little bit about how social media has changed and shifted uh, the public relations industry as a whole? Oh, my gosh. Well, this is definitely hours. Hours, yes. (laughs) Discussion. I I love this discussion, but I'll I'll give you, I'll be really concise. Uh, Social media has absolutely brought out the best in public relations, in the industry, and in the professionals. Because, you know, as, as much as we talk about communicating to the public and communicating on behalf of brands and building relationships, social media allows us to put the people back into those conversations and to be so much more meaningful so we can build better relationships and that ability for the two-way communication, the collaboration, and the understanding that you can have. It's really changed our approach. We used to, back in the day, and you know, maybe 27 years ago, um, it was just sending out, grabbing messages. You know, when I started, it was, okay, messages were coming down from a higher level. You take those messages and you put them into your news releases and you put them into your brochures or you put them into your letters or whatever it is we were sending out at the time. And that was it. And then you see if something stuck. It was much more broadcast. And that all had to change because you know that it's not accepted in social media communities, and and people want to drive their own communication. So it really was public relations professionals in the industry figuring out, if people want to drive the communications, how do we get our businesses to be a part of their world and a part of the communication that they prefer and that they want to engage in and they want to use, and hopefully that creates impact and builds those relationships that brands really rely on for the health of their business. So I I love that answer, and I think you did it very succinctly, but I'm sure that our listeners can read all about this because this is really the crux of what your latest book was about, correct? Yes. So actually the last two books, or no, maybe the last three books, PR20 was the fundamentals of kind Mm. of making that change, putting the public back in public relations, really dove into those changes and got us even thinking beyond just public relations ourselves um, and into more getting out of the silo and working with marketing and we're a function of customer service and there's a whole sociology around this and it's not just technology. And my last book, Social Media and Public Relations, was all about the new practices, all of the things that public relations professionals had to do in order to successfully use social media for the businesses and the public they serve. Oh, it's very practical. I love that. 
Thank you. So in talking about those new practices, what skill set do you think is important today for a career in PR? I know you have a, a whole bunch of them in the book, but if you can just talk to us just about some of the skills that you think are essential. So relationship building is absolutely essential and hope everybody started in the, the third grade or the fourth grade, <laughs> <laughs> but if not, it's never too late. Uh, writing for different types of media is extremely important, especially for new media today. So uh, I would love to hear at some point that all college curriculum incorporates social media writing into PR and, and marketing classes. Um, I think that PR professionals today have to have, of course, a really good grasp on social media, uh, everything from, you know, how to research, how to manage it, how to measure social media. Creativity is really, really important. And of course, there's always that ability to persuade or change an opinion. Mm. So, Deirdre, let me ask you this about relationship building. Do you think that that is a skill that can be learned? Do you think that you're you're naturally a relationship builder, or is it something that can be learned over time? Can you get better at building relationships? I think you can get better at building relationships. There is something very natural yep. about it, but yep. I think we all have that ability. Uh, but there are times when it needs to be brought out. So building a relationship means listening more. Yep. And you can certainly sharpen your listening skills. Building a relationship means expecting less and giving more. Uh, so I do think it could be nurtured. Awesome. And what advice would you give to somebody who's looking for a career in PR? Obviously, they need to adapt kind of to the new the new world of PR. But what so you're looking at some a young woman listening to the show thinking, I really want to get into PR. What should they do first? So I think they should talk to professionals mm -hmm. first and really dive into P PR is very big. And as much as people think PR is publicity, uh, there's a lot more to public relations than that promotional publicity or media yep. function. So it's it's to learn from professionals. You know what what kind of public relations do I want to go into? And and if it is publicity, hey, that's great. But you know what? It, it could be some type of fundraising. It it could be government relations. It could be analyst relations. You could uh, perhaps be doing community building and working with organizations. It maybe it's internal. Maybe it's employee communications, and and you're going corporate. So find out first by setting up some interviews with professionals to learn more, read as much as you can about the industry, read the blogs that are out there. There are so many great PR blogs. Go to alltop.com, look under public relations, and you're going to find some great blogs. And just really understand what it is that you want to do and try it. You know, I, I was very lucky. I got the opportunity in a small setting, even though it was a mid-sized agency, my office was seven or eight people, yep. and I fell in love with the small agency, and that, that's what I built. So it's really a matter of knowing where you fit in and, and what interests you. That's, that's definitely step number one. Deidre, you 
have really built a fabulous, if if I can say so, a fabulous personal brand. I think, you know, everything about you and, and when you look you up and you, you do a little background research on you, it's just really fabulous. And so talk to me a little bit about the importance of a personal brand and really looking at some tips for doing that. I think if for, in looking at you, it's somebody I would I, I would think that people would aspire to have a personal brand like. So I would love to hear your thoughts on personal branding. Well, thank you so much You're for saying welcome. that about my personal brand. You're welcome. I really appreciate that. It's true. Uh, I would, I think it's very important to own your brand and how you present yourself is, you know, whether it's online or offline, staying true to who you are, but definitely to know what you're about and to clearly communicate that through your your presence. So, for example, with my brand, um, I would hope that people would check me out, whether it's on Twitter or my author's blog, or maybe you you are in my my Facebook community of friends, but you would know immediately that I stand for, I'm all for education. I'm, I'm an author. You know, I, I love to work with the students and professionals and, and that is a big part of, of who I am, but it comes through in so many different ways. And that's one thing to realize is that your brand can be in in pictures and in, in images. It can be in the words and some of the things that you talk about. It can be aligned to causes that you're interested in or things that you do. So there's a lot that go into the brand, but most of all, it's an experience. And I know that when people interact with me, they expect certain things. And that's I always want to be able to deliver that experience, and mostly it is education. So if you look at me on Twitter, I've got all my students asking me questions about <laughs> projects or, or talking to me, or maybe I'm answering a professional's question that they have. It could be on any topic. But it really is just knowing who you are, showing that through what you do, not just saying, but actually doing, and the way that you connect with people being true to your experience. And that's really what's going to drive that brand and make people remember you. It's funny that you said, you know, if somebody goes to your page or, you know, any of your communities, they know immediately what you stand for. I often say that the brands that are best in social media are the ones where you know you really know immediately what they stand for, that Coke, you know, like them or not, stands for happiness. You know, they're really all about happiness and that experience. GE stands for innovation, you know, when you're right. really looking at these. And so I think you nailed it in terms of what a, what a personal brand should do the exact same thing. And I, I think knowing what you stand for is as important as not just saying it, but living it. I think you're yeah, exactly right. really doing it. Exactly right. So we've talked a lot about your successes and a lot about great things that we've done. What's been a really big challenge? I know you mentioned earlier about when you were starting your business. Um, what's been a, one of the bigger challenges you faced in your career and what did you learn from it? So it started with um, going through that period when you go through a divorce and you're a single mom, learning to balance career and family. Yeah. And I just think that, you know, I was in a situation where I had two male partners 
who one wasn't married and one was newly engaged at the time, but didn't have the same kind of family responsibilities. And it was a challenge for me because I had to keep up with the the new business and, you know, they wanted me to travel. But at a certain point, you know, I I have a a little girl at home who relies on me for everything. Those early lessons about work life balance got me to where I am today. And it was a challenge, but I had to learn to say, no, I can't be on that pitch. No, I I can't do the Washington Mutual pitch. No matter how much I want to, I know where my priorities are. So a lot of, you know, priority setting, understanding, and of course, my daughter always, always came first. And I had said that, if something wasn't working out in my career or if something wasn't working out with the family life because of my career, that my career would have to wait. I was lucky the way that it did work out um, because learning that balance got me to where I am today. But there were certainly challenges and times when I said no, that I, you know, I wanted to be somewhere, but I just couldn't. And I think that challenge only grows with the you know, 24 hours always on world yeah. that we're in because you're under this increase. The The blending of home and work is really, um, you know, growing and increasing with, you know, as first it was with the BlackBerry and, you know, having that at home. And then it became just the overall integration of your, your experiences. It's even harder now, I think, uh, for young parents or, you know, anyone who's in, is struggling with their work-life balance. But I love how you said, you know, you made those choices, you said no, and it worked out for you in the end anyway. It's a great, it's a great takeaway and very inspiring for our listeners. Well, thank you. And if you set the boundaries early, it carries on later. And And even now our kids are all in college, we're empty nesters. But a few years ago, that meant no smartphones at the table. Yep. We always had dinner together and technology was turned off. No matter how much of a challenge or how hard it was, that was the decision that we had made, but it was a great time to do best parts and worst parts of your day with your family and nobody was looking at their smartphones, they were speaking from the heart. And that's really important when you're raising children and you're finding that balance. Totally. And Deirdre, if people want to follow you and, and are inspired by what you have to say, where should they go? So they can, of course, find me on Twitter. I'm <laughs> at the Breckenridge. And you can also check out my author's blog at DeirdreBreckenridge.com. Or you can check out my company blog. We're pureperformancecom with two ms.com. Awesome. And Deirdre, you're a terrific guest. Thank you for being on the show today. Oh, thank you so much. This podcast was brought to you by Likeable Media. At Likeable Media, we create, curate, and promote content that gets your brand results. Visit likeable.com for more information today.